This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success podcast. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have serial entrepreneur on the show, Jason Neubauer. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here today. And uh, I know you're a busy man between California, Florida, and living in Florida now. And so, uh, but just glad you're able to spend some time with us today. And uh, why don't you take our listeners through the journey of uh, who's made Jason the man he is today? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, You know, I grew up in Southern California, went to school in Central California in San Luis Obispo. You know, study construction management. Um, my dad is an electrical contractor, and the goal is to you know take over the family business. And you know, once I graduated college and started working for like a big general contractor, and I was waking up at like four thirty every morning, driving to like one of the worst parts of uh, South Central Los Angeles, and I was like, man, there's just got to be a better life than this out there. And it was you know it was weird because it was the first time in my life like I was working out of passion. Like I, I liked what I was doing, but I just didn't love it. And I, and, I, and I knew that I'm like, okay, well. If I'm going to do something now, I got to try because if I fall flat in my face and fail, at least like I'll have enough time to recover. And um, actually, when I was finishing my project, um, I tried out for Wheel of Fortune. So I actually won $32,695 on the TV show Wheel of Fortune and a 10-day cruise to the Panama Canal and I think it's $1,000 to candyapples.com. And so I actually used that money. I had this idea uh, for a social betting platform. So I used that to buy my first domain, um, You Bet Me. And so I finished the job. I, I told my boss I was quitting. He actually was my first investor, gave me 50 grand and you know, it was when I got introduced to my CTO, um, Nils Larp, who's uh, one of the top five, uh, you know, video guys in the entire world. That's kind of when I went from believing, you know, to knowing that I had to go all in. And I think if an idea like takes over you, you know, 100%, you can't stop thinking about it. I think that's when you know it's it's right. Um, I think ignorance was bliss at that time, but knowing what I know now, I don't even know if I would have leaped at that point. But ironically enough, when I when I had to go met Niels for the first time, it was the day before I went on my Wheel of Fortune cruise. So I actually had to drive to Vegas to CES and then met him for 20 minutes. That's when I knew, drove back, got on my flight. Uh, unfortunately, when you book those cruises, you have to do it six months in advance. So it was with my ex-girlfriend and so we broke up and then I had to get on the boat with her. But then all I wanted to do is get off that boat and go and start my company. So quick corporate America and then, uh, you know, so we dove into it and a uh, pretty interesting story. Not a, I actually haven't really told this much like publicly, but um, you know this one guy that was actually supposed to fund you know our uh, our entire company, a really wealthy guy in in, in Los Angeles. But um, without going into deep on it, at the end of the day, the guy had personal intentions. This guy was married with kids, but he ended up being a bisexual and had no interest in actually funding the entire company. So here I am. We had our first 150. We're running out of money and. This guy ends up being like a full weirdo. End up literally end up driving to Silicon Valley with like my last, I think it was like, seriously, I think my bank account was like negative 600 like at this point. And I met with Ron Conway's nephew, Andrew Arata, and I literally got a quarter million dollar check at dinner there and moved to San Francisco. And, and we start building, right? We get some good traction. This is like when HTML5 was really big. So we built the first prototype of You Bet Me. 
got really good feedback, and then we turned it into the native app, launched it, got to 100,000 users pretty fast, and you know, we saw a big opportunity that we always wanted to be a platform, and my board members started managing these like teenagers, um, these influencers, like Nash Greer and Cameron Dallas, names people wouldn't even know, right? And I, and I watched them drive, like, it was like a million two downloads to a really, really crappy game, and I'm like, oh my God, these kids have the distribution to everything, and so they are all making these YouTube videos, um, about challenges. So I said to Nils, I'm like, what if we get these kids and we build a platform where these people have the ability to respond back to them? And this was before the Ice Bucket Challenge even happened. So the top seven of them like all invested, we built our second product and we were off and running. So I mean, that thing, I don't know, we closed like top five in the app store. I took 20 of them to Hawaii to launch it uh, just to get, you know, all this natural variety and, and traffic. And so we were off and running. Also, at that same time, I helped co-found this thing called the Coolbox. It's a smart toolbox with my friend um, Chris Stoikos, who was the CEO. Uh, he's also the CEO of Dollar Beard Club. Have you heard of that? The, all the bearded products. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's Chris, who I went on it with. So we actually had a really that's great the problem. On the Shark yeah, yeah, that's what I was on Shark Tank with. So um, we actually had a really bad problem. Challenge took off, Coolbox took off, and Dollar Beard Club all at the same time. So you know, we didn't really know what to do. Um, so after the show, we ended up um, selling Coolbox over to Kevin Harrington. Um, the the deal with Lori didn't work out just because of one term. She didn't want her uh, she didn't want her equity dilutable, which is crazy because it was only a credit line. Like everybody's equity is you know dilutable on that side, and um, you know kind of went from there. And then you know at that same time, kind of life happened. Uh, you know my wife got my wife got pregnant and. You know, we were influencer marketing was a little bit early, and so I kind of sat back and paused and, and just kind of let the market mature. And you know, since then, I'm actually in the middle of selling you know both of those companies right now. I'm doing a lot of heavy um, consulting on influencer marketing, and then I actually am just in the middle of working on a book deal right now about like subject I'm really passionate about. I think what most people don't talk about is I could sit here and tell you all these things about how I'm great and been successful, but like what nobody really talks about is like the adversity and the vulnerability and everything that you go through along the way that honestly like you know it kills your spirit and it's like you know depressions tied to you know never feeling good enough constantly rejected at meetings like it's like you know that tree was green for four years and the world just keeps telling you it's blue and it's like one day when you wake up at what point are you not going to start believing that when you're worried about paying rent how am i going to do this but you know finding the way and the ability and the different tools to be able to push through that so you know that's where i'm really focused on in terms of you know giving back and what's up so how did you do that? So that's one of the questions I was going to ask. I always say people talk about their, their successes, but rarely talk about the challenges to what you just said. And, and so how do you do that? When you can barely pay your rent and, and you're driving to San Francisco and you've got negative 600 bucks, but you're still believing, right? You're still believing in your vision, your passion, and your future. How, how are you doing that? I don't know. That's that's why I ended up we're calling the book the Santa Claus effect because I was like, you know what? You got to have something to believe in, and if you can't believe in yourself, like at the end of the day, whether real or beating you down, like who will, right? I mean, there's there's no reason it can't be you. Like, why not you, right? And, and I'm telling you, like, the universe will reward you for seeing it through the adversity. Everybody along the way, you get this, you get this adversity, right? And there's basically two ways you can go about it. You can go and throw your own pity party and let it own you, or that's really kind of the defining moment, like, are you going to be great? And I, you know, the one thing that kept me going on like a really low point was uh, Joe Rogan. I watched one of his podcasts and it's just like, are you going to be the hero of your own story? Right? So it's, it's about taking those lessons learned and mistakes and just, and just hoping that the universe is going to connect it back one day. And you know, for the people that see it through are the ones that are rewarded, but that also filters out the people who weren't really passionate or who wanted to see it all the way. So, um, I, I think, I think, 
I call it grit. I think it's, it's passion, perseverance, and persistence. And I think you either have it or you don't. And I think that's just something embedded within a person or not. Yeah, so when you think about the, uh, the, the influential people you've met, I mean, how did you build those relationships? So for our listeners driving around out there, like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know the guys that he knows, or I can't go to a dinner in Silicon Valley and get a $250,000 check. How did you build those relationships? I didn't. I mean, I used initial some college relationships from my ex-girlfriend to somebody who knew somebody at WePay just to get a meeting that led to that, right? And so... I didn't know anybody in that world, right? You have to have something. There's two different. There's two different. Yeah, there's hustle. There's two different types of networking, right? The first one is you got to use referrals to just get to certain meetings. To, you know, you need to build like a value. Like you need to have a value prop, right? So you need to leverage to get that one chance. But then once you have, you know, all those experiences and you live through it, and you have your own niche of who you are as a brand, then you can sit down with anyone, right? But it's because you just got to. You got to go out there and try. At the end of the day, you have to try in order to gain experience. And the reason you, I can sit down with any CEO or anybody around the world is, you know what? Because no one can take away your story. And so the more you go out there and live and try, you will define yourself. And that is what will truly like make you unique, which means you can do anything you want. Everybody's been there from the beginning, you know? So you, uh, you bet me is, is a, an app, right? And so let's talk about that for a second. You say you have your story because I could just say, hey, I'm going to bet you 20 bucks on the game tonight. Why do I need mm-hmm. to use you and how are you going to sell me on that? Yeah, it was interesting. So, you know, we thought initially you bet me would be, you know, really a social network. And then when we really dove into looking at the data, you know, there's certain ways that people actually want to socialize and, and bet. And not so many of it wants to be public. I'd say about, I think it was like 50% of them were custom. So you could, you know, a lot of the stuff was for like dinner, drinks. It didn't necessarily have to be monetary value. And you could bet sports, but it didn't transact money at the end of the day on the site because, you know, obviously gambling is illegal in the U.S., what makes it really compelling now, where the market's going, is uh, if you're familiar with Bit- are you familiar with Bitcoin, uh, the cryptocurrency. Oh uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I'm not very familiar, but I know what it is. Yeah. Um, so there's a second thing out there called Ethereum, which just got basically 30 Fortune 500 companies about three weeks ago um, agreed to partake in the Ethereum Alliance, so which is basically a Bitcoin type of competitor. But it's interesting with this is you can actually use this currency, which is real money, to bet on. So the next the next innovation that we're coming out with is you can actually bet Ethereum in the United States legally with real money. Because at the end of the day, like an app is a value prop. And without the actual transaction, you're going to see a lot of drop off from the user. So I think that will be the big value prop moving forward on the platform. That's a big deal. So you got Shark Tank, you got Wheel of Fortune, you got a lot of stuff cooking, man. You're high energy. I like it. I like it. So what have you done to build a successful team? I think there's two really core people to me at the end of the day, and that's my CTO and my other co-founder, Justin Jarman. Um, and I think loyalty is the most important part at the end of the day. And there'll be certain, what I recommend to everyone is there's going to be certain points during the journey with your co-founder that you maybe not feel like it's 50-50. Um, but I'm telling you, that 10% or whenever you need that person, when you're going through a low point, they will be there. And I can't tell you countless times the fact that we just always had each other's back along the way is the reason why we have our core team. You know, so I, I think never look at it like, what did you do for me today? You always got to look at the bigger picture, you know, with the core people around you. And then between my investors and, and friends and relationships, it's just about transparency and being honest. And every day I try to, you know, do the best I can with information I have to, to the people. So don't don't be afraid to, you know, give hard information. People are understanding it where you get people upset or not want to, you know, work with you, whatever it may be, is when you, they feel like you're hiding something. So, you know, what you ever want to do is have any surprises, you know, especially with the people who are giving you know, financial capital, 
to bet on you to believe in you and and that's the most important thing i can recommend because at the end of the day like your relationships are everything and you know your, your name is your reputation it gives you the ability to do stuff in the future so don't don't shoot yourself in the foot for the small win is what i would say so other than deciding to work for yourself and bet on yourself when you left your construction job what's what's the single most important decision you've made that's contributed to your success uh having my son I think, uh, you know, my son turned one, you know, last week and I, I don't know, I looked at it even on the lowest points of when, you know, and I, I met my wife and I, and I got engaged. I said, look, at the end of the day, like, this is just a job and a career where I think like true happiness comes from, you know, having a family. And then, you know, when my son was born, I felt like it was like the Lion King circle of life, man. It's just like everything kind of made sense. Like you just have, you know, different priorities and, and you know the the unconditional love and kindness it just really makes you want to be a better person that you can really apply that to to your life and i've just seen things get a lot better you know since my son was born and, and being married to see the full picture that you know your work isn't everything it's important but you know who you're surrounded by work or personal is, is even more important i called my parents the next day after my son was in the hospital i said i am so sorry for everything i ever did to you because this is really hard that's why i say the hardest job in the world but the best job in the world so what do you uh what do you do today to find motivation inspiration to keep that energy going and, and to keep fighting a good fight every day one really big thing for me that really changed a lot that I, I started a couple of months ago is I couldn't figure out like I was, I was having this this great life and I, and I knew it right but I still felt like I was depressed on certain levels I wasn't enjoying the moment or you know a lot of you know different things that were going on I didn't know why and so I, I did a bunch of research and I actually looked into um, you know hypnotherapy which is really really interesting so what I've learned is it's it's almost like a system reboot right so there's things along the journey that really that cut me deep like you know the rejection the worry about rent you're not good enough or all this that really stays with you right so then your your conscious mind your subconscious mind aren't aligned so you there's a way to like reboot your whole system by certain practices of like meditation and I do it every day and I couldn't be happier or feel stronger or more confident of who I am today and I could honestly say I didn't have that the last four years even with what is considered success and did you use an app for that or do you just self-guided uh yeah no uh, you can use uh certain mp3s i actually went to a particular like center you only go once a week i went for one month and then you just listen to the mp3 every day it, it's just really like a it's just a guided meditation and you can focus on different things whether you want to gain self-confidence not be like catastrophic to yourself what you're going through could be different than what i went through you know everybody's something different but i think it's important for people to understand their mind we spend so much time trying to invest in other people like you, you owe it to yourself to understand how you operate in order to become the best version of yourself and that's yeah, all i'm absolutely. trying to say yeah, yeah, yeah. I like headspace. A lot of people like headspace. You know, I, I think there's different techniques yeah. for whoever it is. This one just happened happened to work for me. Very cool. Um, yes, talking about your thinking earlier, how you think and helps become the best version of yourself. Uh, I was reading a book earlier today, and it talked about fast thinking versus slow down thinking. Uh, so many people make long term decisions on fast thinking, right? Because oh, we want to be quick. We want to make quick decisions, but it's talking about being more purposeful and slowing down and making good decisions. I mean, so kind of walk us through that. You are a fast-paced, high-energy guy, so how do you make good long-term decisions to make sure they're the right decisions? Yeah, you got to move fast and slow. I'd, I'd say one of my biggest, you know, lessons learned was when the growth of challenge was happening so fast. I, mean, I was doing like 20-hour days, and I was missing things because I was moving so fast, which ultimately like led to make, you know, 
mistakes. If I don't make any big decision that same day, if, I, if I'm thinking about something that could affect like our future, oh, I'll at least sleep on it for a day. Generally, I go back to it in like one to three, one to two days. I'll have pretty good clarity. Um, so I have no problem pushing things forward, but anything in terms of you know finance or direction, I think about it for two days. I go to the people that are closest to me that I think could help solve that situation. And then once you feel like you've got the full perspective on it, then you make the decision. So it's, I think it's a combination of both. Like you can't, you can't go to a meeting thinking you need this today, that it's going to happen today. Go to that meeting knowing that nothing's probably going to happen from that day, but it's just adding a dot that at some point later is going to lead to come back to you. And the more dots that you put out there and give yourself, the more opportunity you have to be successful at the end of the day. And that's why I encourage everybody. It's like the universe is trying to help you out. Just go out there as much as you can and something will happen along the way. I guarantee that. What's your morning routine look like? Are you a, are you a morning routine guy, a nighttime routine guy? What have you do, uh, done over the years to stay successful? Well, my routine has definitely changed a lot since my son. So he wakes up at 6.45, whether I like it or not. So, you know, I get up at 6.45, uh, we feed him, and then uh, I actually take him on his walk uh, for like a half hour around the neighborhood. I actually just listen to Howard Stern in the morning. I don't actually don't even think about work or anything, um, you know, and yeah. then, then I go work out for an hour, and then I go start my day. I, I think it's really, really important for people, do not wake up and just start business, right? Do not turn on your phone and take inbound information, right? It's, it's still like your personal time. Digest, get your clarity, go take care, like feed your brain, have some breakfast, go work out, have that, and then go to work. So I really don't start my day until around like 10 o'clock um, in yeah. terms of just things I'm trying to execute. What kind of workouts are you doing these days? Well, I have terrible self-discipline and I recognize that in terms of working out. So I actually work out this place called Elite U and I have a trainer, you know, three days a week. Um, it's really funny though. They train like a lot of like uh, – uh, the Miami athletes and some NFL players, and I'm just like this guy with the dad bod in there, and they're like probably wondering who's this guy. I can like barely do push-ups, you know. I'm like, don't worry, don't worry, I'm a professional yeah. entrepreneur. It's okay, you know. But, yeah, I can take feedback. I get it, right? So what's, uh, what's yeah. your purpose today? I mean, obviously you've got these companies you're selling, and, and so uh, you know there's probably a new purpose now. What's that look long term for you? You know, the new purpose right now is it's just really. Finishing up everything in terms of you know what we're looking at on um, some of the acquisitions, you know, close that chapter. Um, I'm really focused on evolution of influencer marketing, which is like what I know and I've lived in since day one, and it's just not going away like anytime soon. And I'm just really passionate about finishing my story with this book of you know getting it out there by December, um, just to really share those lessons. I mean, I I found a lot of peace when I started just giving back. You know, on Twitter, I'll block off three hours every Friday and I'll call people around the world. Um, and, and I didn't start doing that really until probably last year after Shark Tank because I felt insecure. Like I just, I never wanted to be like the fat kid who was a trainer going out to try to preach messaging because I never felt like I accomplished something. But I don't think that's true now as I look at it as I've made every mistake in the book. If, if I can go and share this information and it helps you not to make the same mistake, I think that's awesome. And there's just so many people out there that just don't know where to start. And so, you know, my really message is to build a platform where I can go out there and give the tools and everything that I've learned to hopefully inspire, you know, one other person to believe in themselves. And I think we're kind of at this point in time in society where we all just really need to be real with each other. And I think vulnerability and the human element and, and sharing all of that's, you know, more important than ever. And you can be a great person and do well. Like, there's no point in having an ego. 
I'm not better than anybody on this planet. I don't think you're better than me. I think we all know something different about each other and we can share and be kind and we all win together. Like, doesn't that sound like a great place to be? I mean. Oh yeah, that's awesome. So what do you do? So you got these three hours on, uh, on social media or Twitter or whatever and then you're calling these people. What are you doing? What's the goal of that call? Nothing, man. Just to help them if I can. And you just hear some really like cool stories and, you know, it inspires you to keep going, right? You, you, you just, you keep, it keeps me understanding that I cannot believe these people don't know this not because they're not smart but i just assume since i know it that everybody should know it which is not true right and there's also people that just they just don't know where to start who have really great ideas and so though what i try to do with them is i break it down for this i'm like look you can spin your wheels all day long trying how to get to a to z so i'm like okay you got to focus on the first step which is execution how do we get to a to b what is the shortest amount of money we can spend to get your philosophy into data form and i think that can apply for all types of business just in different variation so all you're trying to do is how do you get from A to B? And then once we get A to B, then we go to B to C. Because I guarantee you what you thought of A will not be at Z, but the information along the way will, that'll pivot you to where you actually want to become. So I think people got to understand there's no aha moment anymore. Like you're not going to get it right. And that's okay. Just know that you have to pick the place like where you have to go to dive in and then you'll be able to move forward. So you've talked, uh, the few times that we've spent uh, talking together, you've talked about influence marketing. Tell us yeah. about that. What's that mean? How's that look long-term in the future for you? Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's actually shaking up the entire advertising world because traditional advertising doesn't really make sense anymore in terms of like the spray and made bottle of like commercials, for example, right? Or traditional... Um, you know, uh, banner ads, right? Look at those, for example. Um, well, the millennials and Gen Z, they skip over that. They're not, they're not engaged with it. You know, now there's a way with all these kids called social media influencers. So these are kids with big followings on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all that. That is where the audience is. So you can have, you can directly have a hyper-target audience to the demographic that you want to do that can align with your brand more efficiently. So it's all about using these people to align with the right brand and the messaging. And there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do it. And it's only gonna get it's only gonna get stronger. So it, it's really shaking up the traditional advertising world. Does that make sense? Uh, just, it does, I'm pausing here because it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. Just thinking how the world is changing so quickly. I mean, look at five years ahead, what's it gonna be like, right? Are there even gonna be cable? And you know, is Apple gonna take over the world and there gonna be Apple televisions everywhere? I mean, you know, just who knows what's gonna actually happen. Yeah, I know. I, I agree, and I'm seeing it with the, I'm seeing it with the companies I'm consulting on. But the problem is, I mean, on uh, you know some of these big companies, you have the older generation that's used to the traditional mindset, and so it's different when a startup can apply influencer marketing. Like One Wheel, for example, is really cool. It's like a new modern version of a hoverboard. They just naturally integrated it uh, with this uh, YouTuber uh, Casey, and it had like you know three million views in the first day. Perfect, right? So it's like you're not spammy. It doesn't feel invasive. It just shows the product cool, right? And so everything we've learned in advertising is about you entertain before you try to sell. Um, I think I think Sprint did a really good example. They just started to do a campaign, um, and they took a helicopter and a trampoline, and they put it over the ocean with uh, this big Disney star, Jake Paul. And what you'll see is it doesn't have the brand anywhere in it. You'll see him talk about it in the middle of it, but it was entertaining. That thing did three million on YouTube, two million on Facebook for a much more efficient cost and what would they would do for paid media, right? So where it shifted is you, organic content has a high, much higher ROI if you do it the right way with the right people. And there's no turnkey solution to it. 
uh, but there's a right way and wrong way to do it. Because, dude, they're all like, it's like, it's like the kids are like stocks. You don't know who's up and coming, who doesn't like who, who's done too many brand deals, who has better engagement. So it's all about like, A, you got to know the people and then you got to know the brands and figure out how you merge them together. And that's what I'm pretty good at. Yeah, but most of my kids, they watch these, uh, my kids watch these magician guys, like they're like young guys on YouTube. I look at those yeah. things, they've got like millions of watches, and I'm like, this is unbelievable how this even happens to me, but it is what it is. So, so you leave your construction job, and there's obviously fears built into your mind, right? And so uh, I ask this on every show, the fears that go into your mind, how many of them actually blew up to the proportion that you put them in your mind to be? How many of them did that? How many of them blew up? Like, how many of them actually worked? Yeah, you know, like, you know, you put your mind fears, right? I mean, most of us as entrepreneurs, we have these fears in our mind that, oh my gosh, this could happen, or this could happen, or that could happen, and we make them be this terrible, terrible thing. Uh, I don't know, do you work that way? I mean, is that, did that drive you at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, I probably had it like hundreds of times best on the different stages, right? I mean, constantly just like knowing if Fundy's going to go in and then your brain fights to like, do I go into scarcity mode of like making a plan B, but you really don't have to have a plan B. And that's where I'm saying like well, your conscious and your subconscious mind like don't align. But you fear becomes like fears from your subconscious mind, which fear is actually like made up, but it's only trying to protect you, right? So look at look at fear like an overprotected mom or, or a barking dog, for example, right? Like they just don't want to see you do any harm. And it's about looking at on the other side of it that I, you just got to believe at the end of the day. I don't know. You just got to put it by you. I, th- I think I think there's a it's optorealism I think is the most important thing to look at, right? It's important to be optimistic, but you also got to have self-awareness to realize that there's fundamental elements that aren't coming back to you, then there's clearly something wrong, right? So um, and, I, and I'd say I was guilty of that early on. I definitely think my wife would tell you that I would just have this delusion. It's like that I think everything would work out. And in reality, you know, some of it didn't. But if I kind of didn't have that, like Steve Jobs, that reality distortion field, I don't think I would have saw it through. But I think everyone could kind of function differently. Um, I, but I think now moving forward, I, you, can't, you can't operate off of fear. Like everything's going to happen the way it's going to happen anyway. So I think just stay present in the moment, do the best you can with all the information you have that day and, and apply to the next day. And not every day is going to be a great day. You know, if anything, there's a lot more bad days than good days. But when you get those wins, it makes all that sacrifice worth it. So um, I don't know. I, I, and, and the worst thing that happens is you learn something. Experience is something you get after you needed it. And I guarantee even if that company failed or something you started, I guarantee you'll be a much better person and be able to get a job that's much better than where you were before. Because people respect people who try, right? I mean, at the end of the day, who you like? You want a guy who's a part of the system, or you want a guy who believes himself? Like that's the guy I want. Amen. So that's what we talk about in the circuit of success: is the attitude, and then the second one is beliefs. And you said that you just got to believe. And so let's go back to the first pillar of the circuit of success: is attitude. And tell us about that. How do you how do you stay in a good attitude? How do you stay positive when things are dark and cloudy and rainy? How do you do that? When I go there, then I really focus on you know physical health, right? I was just thinking like a Newport Beach and everything was going wrong. I'm like, all right, at least, at least I fail. At least I'm going to look really good, you know? So <laughs> the exercise is getting that. I mean, because it also helps you clear your head, you know, around that. So when I go through those times, I do everything I can to really just focus on my mental health, my physical health, and, and you know, keep going that way. It's like high school, all right? Remember how you thought everything in high school was like the end of the world? That's exactly how you should look at like the dark times at the end of the day. It, it's, whatever you think is a big deal today, Tell me if, if in a month if you're actually going to remember that. So, like, why are you wasting your energy on, like, don't waste your energy on worry. Focus your energy on the things that you can control. Like, I don't worry about politics and stuff because there's nothing I can really do about that. You know, I'm focusing on the right. things that I can control in my environment, and you got to just trust 
that you know, nature's going to unfold the way it's supposed to. Yeah, politics, uh, the weather, and gas prices. I can't control them, right? <laughs> Just deal with it. Just deal with it. Yeah. Um, so would you say overall long-term, are you, are you shocked by the success you've had? I and mean, when you look back at your, your high school, college days, and where you are today, are you shocked by it, or did you envision your success? Um, no, I've always had really big plans. You know, I always thought I was going to do something great. Actually, a really funny story. Um, when I was 21... My buddy, uh, my buddy Jed Collins, who's a retired NFL player now, my best friend Bobby Carr, we're all sitting at Fondue one night, and this is when Jed Collins, he has the best NFL story. You should probably talk to him as well. He actually went to our same high school as Cameron Tringali. Oh, yeah. Um And he got cut from seven different football teams uh, and had no more practice squad eligibility left, and then finally got a call from the Saints literally after this dinner and ended up making it. He played five years in the NFL and just retired. My best friend Bobby was working for KPMG, who's literally the smartest mathematician I know, and he just started buying tickets you know, online and becoming a broker. Bobby is now the largest independent ticket broker in the United States. And at that dinner, I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do yet, but I know I'm going to be a millionaire before I'm 30. I just always knew it was different. You know, I always knew you had to try. I, I don't think it's meant for everybody. If you believe in yourself, I think anything's possible. So, yep. so what would you do right now if you knew you couldn't fail? exactly what I'm doing. I'm focusing on sharing my message because at the end of the day, I always wanted to go teach and educate. And I, I feel like I'm in a really good place that I can, you know, efficiently share the last seven years along with the people um, who have similar stories. And I think that's going to kind of elevate me to the next platform or where I want to go in terms of just like motivational speaking and um, really focused on helping people. I, I don't really have a desire to, you know, start another company. Um, I'm, I'm more going to be involved in stuff that can help people. You know what's uh, cool? So when I, when I wrote all my questions out before I started this podcast, I don't know, three or four months ago, I, I had this question, what would you do what, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail, right? And I thought, oh, I'm going to get these great answers. And what's so cool about it is I'm asking guys like you that question, and everybody kind of pauses. So I hope our listeners are getting that. Is more times than not, everybody is just saying, like, almost like, why are you asking that question? Because I'm already doing what I would be doing if I knew I couldn't fail. They're following their dreams, they're following their passions, and I think that's really cool to continually hear that from guys like you. They're already doing it. So those people that are driving around and thinking about what would they do, you just got to take the bull by the horn and you got to go do it, right? I mean, so what advice would you have for them that they're sitting in their car, or they're, they're working out right now, listening to it, and they have an answer to that question? How can they go out and not fail? Uh, I mean, that's, well, I'll, I'll answer that. But the funny thing is, you say take the bull by the horns. My Wheel of Fortune episode, I didn't have anything cool to say because I just graduated college and I'm wearing like a $120 Ikea suit. And so I said I ran with the bulls in Pampelona. And the last puzzle I saw before the bonus round that I won like 11 grand on was take the bull by the horns, ironically enough. It was pretty nice. And, you know, that was when I, you know, that was actually the moment I knew where I believed in myself, right? Because I knew nothing about Wheel of Fortune. I just tried out because I hated my roommate's girlfriend in college. And then, so once I got a letter, I was going to be on the show that whole summer uh, when I was backpacking through Europe, I bought um, the Wheel of Fortune app. And then I bought this book called Winnie on the Wheel that stopped publishing in 1989. And I just studied the process and I played every hangman possible that I could to give myself the best chance to win, right? So I looked at it like a business opportunity to execute. And once I realized I could execute in front of, I don't know, 12 million people, then I felt like I could do anything. Um, and that's when I kind of wow. knew, right? So, but if you prepare for anything, failure is not really an option. It's kind of like John Wooden, right? If you're prepared in what you're doing, there shouldn't be, you shouldn't be worried about that. Um, my well, advice. People just picked up what you just said there, real quick. Sorry to interrupt. Is, is just think of the preparation you did 
to even just to go on the Wheel of Fortune, right? You, I guess I just thought people just kind of showed up. I think that's, that's amazing to hear what you did to be yeah, successful. Most then, people, you know, most people do. Yeah, most people do. They get they get excited just to be there. When I'm just sitting in there, like, all right, this is the process. I want to be at this person. How do I study? Where's the board? How do I look at this and and figure it out? But I mean, yeah, it's really weird to actually play it with Pat and Vanna. But to go back like full circle, exactly. And I always loved Shark Tank, but they didn't really do software products. It has to be like a mass market consumer product. So five years later, I went back to the same studio and I filmed one sound stage over. And so I'm actually the only person on earth to win on Wheel of Fortune and Shark Tank, which is pretty cool I think at the end of the day you know I'm I'm focused on like I think everybody just what makes you happy and a lot of people that I talk to the more they seem to give and help other people that kindness rather than selling they seem to be doing a lot better overall um, and what I can tell anybody who has the idea how about this spend one hour a day instead of watching television to just work on the thing that you're working on right so do a little bit of research see what it is start slowly figuring out how you can actually execute it and if you get a halt, then go to the next thing. Keep working on it. It takes 40,000 hours to master something. I did not even know what a UI was when I started my tech company. I didn't know it was a user interface. I didn't know there was a difference between a front end and a back end. But that doesn't matter because if you believe and you do it, I knew I was going to build a betting app and I knew I was going to figure it out. How do you figure it out? You figure it out with enough time invested. So you got to dive in and figure your way out to the top. And if you don't want to do that, you probably aren't going to see it through. And that's okay. Just You're continue. All in. Yeah. But if you don't, like, you know what's interesting I, I, I've learned though? A lot of people don't even know what their dream is. Like I had to ask my wife this. I was like, what actually is your dream if you could be doing anything right now? And a lot of people actually haven't even asked themselves that. And if you don't know what your actual dream is or what you want to do or how to define it, how are you supposed to go get it? So, you know, I challenge everyone to think about, you know, what, what do they really want? What makes them happy? And then you can start to formalize a plan how to get there. And, and you can do it slowly. And, and, and I think like the whole industry has evolved a lot now. Like I think when I left, you, you had to kind of go all in and take it over where I think now that you can slowly work on your project until it gets big enough and then you can make the transition. Like you could do your corporate job and not have to take the risk of failing and giving up what you have now. And there's a way to do that. And so I don't recommend people do what I did because I was insane. I recommend just work an hour today, keep it building until points where it's stable enough where you can make the transition to really go all in. And you'll know that time because you'll feel it. Um, and then that's how you go. So I know you're working on a book deal right now, which I'm excited about. And um, walk us through some of that. I know you're going to have, you know, probably hundreds of people on there that are, you know, the famous, influential people in the world that we most of us know. What are some of the lessons you've learned from those guys and gals? That everyone's human. Everybody's had their struggles at certain points in time, right? So it's really about like walking through like, each stage of where I was at in my career and how I met that person and the things that like I learned from them and then how to be able to apply it back full circle. So like, for example, um, Scooter Braun is, he was Justin Bieber's, he is Justin Bieber's manager, right? So when I met Scooter Braun, we shook hands on like a $3.1 million deal to fund my entire company. This guy put me on the, he was a big Duke fan, put me on the phone with Jay Williams, JJ Redick, all this. Like, I thought my life was made. Like, I was voice noting every day. I'm like, this is it. I go to Bieber's 18th birthday party. I'm dating Bieber's assistant. Like, life is good. Then like, weeks go by. He bailed out of the deal. I mean, something else happened. And then I was literally like, I hated this dude, like, forever. And it came, I knew it was going to come back full circle one day. So when Rodney Jerkins, the big music producer, is my investor, he's like, you have to meet with Scooter. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. And so I get yeah. in this meeting. There's seven people. And this Scooter is really, really famous and wealthy by this point. And he starts telling the same story about how he missed out on Facebook and this. I'm like, Scooter, 
I gotta stop you right there, dude. I'm not gonna listen to you and hear you say the same story and have you wheel with me. I'm like, we made up a term for you. It's called Scootify. You're the only person on earth that actually wheeled me and like you crushed my dreams. Like, do you not remember back when you were at the starting point? I'm like, I'm on the other side of the fence now. I need nothing from you. So if I got nothing out of this, like, then it was totally all worth it. And he's like, stop me right there. He's like, Scootify like cannot be a public term. He's like, I see what happened now. This, this, and this based on these series of events, but like, I should have called you. And I'm sorry for that. And then we hugged and we've been really good friends yet and we work on a bunch of charity stuff now, right? But that's one of the things about how it comes, you know, full circle. Like people don't know about with him and Bieber or whatever they seen. There's a year and a half where he had nothing, dude. He was hustling super hard, doing club promotion, that. And then he was the first one to ever prove that a YouTube star outside of the Disney wet work could actually succeed. And he changed the game forever in terms of the way people discover music. Now look at it. It's a completely different ball game. So um, he has some pretty cool stories around that. And so he was one of my first steps, layered into just different great people. Um, of, they all have their own story, but I think there's a fundamental like tools, values, and different things that can hopefully help you get out when you're feeling that you know, adversity, right? Because I felt like when I was depressed or going through these things, nobody talks about it when they're living in that moment, right? And so I was always searching for different things to help me. So my, my goal is to have them all share their lessons and my lessons to have the most amount of tools to help you get out of that adversity stage as fast as you can to keep going on what the right thing is. Yeah. So what did you do to get out of that? I mean, I mean, how do you get out of that? Because when you are depressed or you're in a funk like that, it's hard to do. It's hard to get yeah. up and keep going. So what do you yeah. do? You just got to do it. I mean, it sucks. There's days you don't want to wake up, but you just got to push through, you know? I mean, every day you're not motivated, right? But you still got to put in the work. So despite whether you feel up or down, you just got to keep going. And, and like I say, but I think like, you know, working out, meditating, you can do this stuff to like make sure, you know, don't let that own you because you, you will get through it. There's no shortage. It sucks when you're going through, but one day you wake up, you get a call and like, it's like you got drafted and it changed everything. So don't let that take away from everything that you accomplished because it will come back. Like, your fruits of your label will come back to you in some way. Yeah, and I think to your point, what you said just a few minutes ago is what's your dream, right? I mean, yeah. you, you ultimately knew what your dream was, and so that's going to get you out of bed on the days you don't want to get out of bed. I just like creating stuff and having fun and being around great people, you know? And and now I'm really focused on on helping people because that, that makes me happy. And I don't know, you just got to do what makes you happy. That's, that's all. Like, that's what life is, man. Just do what makes you happy. Yeah. So what's your dream today? Uh, to finish to finish this book, launch it by December 1st, and to have my first interview be on the Howard Stern Show. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm already manifested it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I can't wait to listen to it. You know, he's a, he's a perfect example of that. Why people like Howard or why he's considered the best you know interviews in the world is because it, it, those people that are getting interviewed, they're showing their human element. It's all about their personal story. And... I, I tell, I mean, I tell all the listeners, go listen to his on-demand episodes. I mean, if you listen to those people, everybody has had their struggle. I mean, the world hates Joe Buck, and Howard Stern interviewed Joe Buck, and he would even say how he got his gift from his dad, how real to the plugs. But it's like we're all human at the end of the day, and we all struggle with certain things. And I just think the most important thing everybody could do is like let's just be real with each other, you know, and like let's share where we struggle, share how we how we gained, and you know, just be real. Yeah, you know what's tell you, know, I don't know if you knew this about, but I'm in St. Louis, so we're obviously big Joe Buck fans. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's crazy, I've met Joe Buck numerous times, and what's funny about him is that guy, he can't win no matter what, right? Because the Cardinal fans, we all think he doesn't talk 
you know, good enough about the Cardinals when we're in the World Series, but then every other city in the country thinks he hates their team. Yeah, I know. He like told stories about like he got chased to like uh, his elevator by like some fans, and you know, I saw I saw that hate too. My neighbor growing up was Steve Fiziak. He was the announcer of the Angels, and this was like right yeah. at that shift of where all the broadcasting people went from guys who had good voices to all the retired places, like players. And I would see all the hate that this guy would get. Him and like, it was crazy. It was super interesting. Yeah, no, that's crazy. So right now, so what are you what are you working on? That you obviously talked about your book and stuff like that. What are some of the charities and things you're passionate about that you wish you had more time to do? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, um, it's really awesome. This guy Andrew Resnick out in Miami. Um, he founded this nonprofit called Deedly. And so actually before I was working on my stuff, I wanted to start a thing called Why Not You, which is very similar to what he's doing. But it's really cool. So uh, these different teachers go into uh, these classrooms and actually educates the kids uh, about these charities. And so once they get educated about the charities, then they actually have to take these certain quizzes and they unlock Deedly dollars. And so the kids actually give real money to what charities they actually want to do. And so it's focused on um, you know, low-income schools who are used to like receiving actually charity. But there's a fundamental shift in the mind, and there's really cool psychology behind it that these kids want to keep on giving. So it teaches them early on how to like give and help, which ultimately like shapes them to be a better person and help other people. So it's really cool. Uh, we got some really good people behind it, and um, uh, just starting to get to take it to a national scale. Um, the other co-founder is this actress, uh, Serena Swan. She's like this girl you don't know yet, but she's going to be everywhere. She's like the new lead lady in the, the upcoming Marvel movie, and um, she's also like the, I think the Rock's boyfriend in the, I mean girlfriend in the upcoming season of Baller. So, um, okay, a lot of yeah, sure. man, yeah. So that's cool. I really so like you that. Circle. You build a circle from just making these calls and, and, and introducing yourself to influential people. I think that also. I think that you know your your thoughts and your vibes are the most powerful thing on earth. Like I think you're a product of your environment. I think you attract the people you're surrounded by by the person that you are. So, I mean, if you're not around the right circle, you got to take a step back and think that maybe you're drawing those people to you, right? And so once I have that, good people leads to good people. So, um, you know, take an honest look around by who you're with. Are you are you surrounded by a bunch of winners who want to win? Then you're probably going to win. Are you associating yourself with a bunch of losers who are inspired? It's only going to hold you back. So. I think your right. you know, people around you affect yeah. everything. Well, it's the saying great gets great and uh, good gets below average. You know, I mean, it's just, that's what it is. So if you're around great people, that's, uh, my dad always said the books you read, the people you surround yourself with make you a better person. Yeah, but, so. and, and you got to understand, like, I, I and I, you know, maybe I didn't make this clear. Like, when you when you start, you're the most vulnerable because you don't have any perspective. And that's when actually all the bottom feeders are there in the beginning. Like I had two of the worst advisors in the entire world in the beginning. These guys tricked me into signing a consulting agreement because they said they were going to raise all this money uh, instead of taking a finder's fee, which why I then learned that they didn't actually raise any money. I did it all on my own, and then they tried to help me hostage with my CTO and my relationships unless I paid them the sixty grand. And so I ended up settling, and I, I ended up ended up paying them because I looked at it like a trade. Well, I got the best CTO. I got these two bad levels out of there. But that's when Justin and I made the pact to each other that we would never grow up to be a business person like that. So what you have to decide also is who you want to be as a person and the ethics that you're going to apply uh, when you're starting a company. And that's what I wasn't ready for, um, where you could really grow a lot. Because there's a lot of shady people in a lot of shady ways, and you're most susceptible in the beginning. So you know, having a good mentor from the get-go is really, really important to make sure that you don't get burned. So uh, what's, you know, life's about experiences and creating experiences. So what's on the top of Jason Neubauer's bucket list? I do want to see the rest of the world. Like I want to, you know, when everything finishes, I want to spend like six months traveling. But you know, my son's young, so I want to wait till you know maybe get a second kid and you know go see the rest of the world. I think anytime that you travel, you get more perspective, you know, just on everything in life. And, and I think there's so many different cultures and people, and you know, just the way I think doesn't mean 
that you know people live totally differently and i think there's so many good things we can learn about different cultures and, and i haven't got to experience all that yet which i'm really excited for and if i get maybe this is gonna you're gonna say what i just said uh or what you just said but if i give you 10 million bucks you can't donate it to charity you can't you know invest it or, or like you know buy stocks and bonds and stuff like that what are you gonna do with the 10 million bucks i give you Oh, I want to go on SpaceX. Like, I want to go. I want to go on Richard Branson's thing. I want to go on that. I want to go. I want to like go. Up, I want to see. I want to see Earth from the stars. Well, Jason, I appreciate you being on the Circuit of Success, man. It's been awesome, and uh, man, I love your energy and your passion and your belief in yourself and uh, moving things forward. So, thanks for being on the Circuit of Success. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 